Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, the New York Knicks, despite a 45-point masterpiece from Jalen Brunson fall in the first NBA in-season tournament game, 110-105 to to the Milwaukee Bucks. Who was the culprit? Uh, I'll let you have a guess at it. Uh, we'll get into that next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are locked on Knicks, and this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite audio podcast platform of choice if you haven't already done so. And if you want to take our relationship to the next level, you can subscribe to our subtext. You will get our latest thoughts after games, um, analysis of every single Knicks rumor, um, some preemptive thoughts maybe on on trading Julius Randle. I, I could promise you that. And you can ask us your next questions, probably mostly about trading Julius Randle. I'm Gavin Shaw. I've been covering the NBA now for eight years, um, sometimes as a credentialed reporter, and I'm also a play-by-play broadcaster. And uh, yeah, appreciate you guys joining on this post-game live stream. The New York Knicks, once again, pains me to say it once again, 110-105, and just an extraordinarily frustrating loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. And it, it really sucked because they got one of the better games of Jalen Brunson's career, 42 minutes 45 points, five rebounds, three assists, including um, a three-pointer that gave the Knicks a 103 to 101 lead with about a minute 15 to go in the game. It was their first lead since 29 to 27 in the second quarter. It felt like, uh, despite everything, and, and everything was was mostly the play of Julius Randle. Though not only that, um, the Knicks are going to be able to pull this one out. And then uh, Randle doesn't step up on a Giannis screen. Dame drains a three. Uh, Randall misses. Oh, no, sorry, Jalen Brunson missed on the next play. And then, um, the Bucks come down. Dame back cuts Quentin Grimes and one, and it's all said and done from there. Um, but the main takeaway tonight has to be about Julius Randall because I shouldn't have to spend my opening segment talking about another putrid game from the Knicks All Star, their All NBA player, um, when their other uh, future All Star and future All NBA player drops 45 points. And yet, That's the way I feel compelled to lead off the podcast because with Julius Randle, um, we've had some high highs with him over the years. The lows are extraordinarily low, and we we thought we were past that. He was was breathing. He was doing hot yoga. He was meditating. Um, It it all seemed to be a good vibe last year. And then you get to the playoffs, and they are utterly horrific. Um, Maybe maybe the slightest of improvements from – two years before, but uh, generally uh, uh, shooting numbers that you would expect to see out of uh, someone in the 1950s that J.J. Redick would have referred to as a plumber playing in the NBA. Um, but we could excuse that, right? Because he had ankle sir. He had a, sorry, he had a severely injured ankle and he was gutting through it. And, and even the low effort stuff, you were saying, oh man, his ankle, his ankle really, really hurt. So that's why he can't sprint back on defense. And I I know I'm saying that in somewhat sarcastic tone, but I kind of still believe that was the case. Um, Doesn't get a lot of lead up to the season. Sure. That's an important caveat for him shooting poorly to start the year, except he seems like he's in pretty good shape. He doesn't really seem like 
he's in a bad place athletically. In fact, um, alongside last season, I would say he's in the best place athletically he's ever been in his career. And yet you pull up the numbers and he is shooting 26% from the field, looks incredibly indecisive, at times appears um, once again for the uh, third time in six years. And I shouldn't even say that, really. It was, it, it's been most of his Knicks career. Um, totally indecisive defensively. Um, you know what here? I'll, I'll give you one big stat to sum up just how poor he's been offensively. He's shooting 27.6% from the field this season. That is the worst number through five games by any player with 75-plus shot attempts since Jim Jackson back in the 2000-2001 season. Finished tonight 5 for 20, 1 for 9 from 3. That stat comes from ESPN Stats, Matt Williams. Um, so it is about as bad as it could be on high volume, like literally the, the, the worst in, in over 20 years that someone who takes a bunch of shots for a team has started this season. And, and you get to the point um, being you being the New York Knicks and you're caught between a rock and a hard place because we've obviously seen this play out before. His first season was horrific. His second season was great. His third season was somehow worse than the first one. And, and just, in, and I, I know part of that was relative to expectations, but just included moments that crushed your soul. And as a Knicks fan, I didn't really know could crush my soul because I thought I was hardened against them from the horrific uh, previous 20 years. But man, Julius, you did it, buddy. Um, last year, he was spectacular. And and I did a whole preseason podcast. Uh, if, if you really hate yourself, you can go back and listen to it with Benji Ritholtz talking about how he was spectacular and how he was spectacular in ways that seemed fairly sustainable. And, and now the shot is gone. The rhythm is gone. The confidence is tanked. I would imagine, I would imagine that he's not a fun person to be around right now. What we've seen on the court, he doesn't seem like a fun person to be around. He seems to want to blame everyone else. I thought he made efforts tonight to be a better teammate. I actually thought he had some pretty good drives and dishes in this game. I, I thought the start that he had to this game uh, on, on, on the scale of his recent performances wasn't that that bad. And I think it's it's probably worth remembering that, and this isn't a popular thing to say, that the bad fit goes both ways, right? And, and he is not helped by the Knicks context. He is not helped by the fact that Josh Hart is, is playing for R.J. Barrett and the Knicks have zero spacing right now and Tibbs refuses to start Emmanuel quickly and f- refuses to finish games with Emmanuel quickly and, and, and there's there's no room for him to really operate. Would it make much of a difference? I don't know. I mean, you can, you can go back to that last game against the Cavs where he ran what should have been a pick and roll with Emmanuel quickly, and he, he ended up having wide open space to go into, probably would have had a dunk, but he just stopped. He inexplicably stopped at the elbow, and Emmanuel quickly forced up a three, and then Julius appeared to uh, yell at him after. That's according to uh, someone who was at the game, so who knows if it's true, but it sounds very much in line with everything we've seen from him recently. And you, you just you get to a point where you acknowledge that context and, and the fact that Jalen Brunson isn't isn't the best table setter at a point guards in the NBA, though I, I thought, and we'll, we'll get to it, I thought he had a really good game in distribution tonight. But in general, he's not really that guy. So things are somewhat hard for Julius Randle. And yet they are not shooting 27% from the field hard. They are not shooting, what is he, 24 25% from three hard. Um, that is inexplicably bad. And if the effort was there, and he was being a great teammate, and this is the caveat I always come back to with Julius Randle, you could forgive the bad shooting. You really could, even, even though it's 
inexplicably poor for someone who's made multiple all NBA teams in his career is, is at an age where he should still be right in his prime. It, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But even with that, you could say, all right, he's playing his butt off. He, he didn't get a chance to warm up going to the season. It is going to come around. But what do the Knicks do with that? Do they go ahead and try to trade him? You're not going to get anything close to maximum value for him right now because he is, again, the worst high-volume shooter in the last 20 years in the NBA to start a season. Um, and you would potentially raise your floor by moving him, right? Or, or even by benching him. And, and that's, I, that's with acknowledging that there isn't another power forward um, that's playable on the roster. And, and if you made a trade, it would, it would have to be like for like, right? You'd have to trade him for someone else at that position. But there's no Obi Toppin to step into the starting lineup and base on how Obi's played with the Pacers. Um, that might not even be a good thing if he was available. It might not help the Knicks that much if he was available. Um, but you're not going to get great value trading him. And, and let's just say let's just say you trade him and, and you, you piece things together. What kind of ceiling does that Knicks team have? Could they win a round in the playoffs without Julius Randle? Uh, a lot of you would argue that they essentially did that a year ago against the Cavs, where he was he was a minor to at times negative factor in the series, but he still has some gravity. He still draws quite a bit of attention. Um, does that translate into effectiveness for his teams when he's on the floor and he's having a bad game the way it does for some other stars in the NBA? No, not really. Not so much. But um, I don't think the Knicks would win around in the playoffs without Julius Randle. Right now, they don't obviously look like they'd win around with Julius Randle. Um, but the ceiling would be completely gone at that point. And, and you would be getting... Um, into the realm of being on the treadmill of mediocrity that you never really want to be on in the NBA and just stuck in no man's land. And Julius, at this point, it doesn't seem like he's going to have a kind of season that gets you out of it. But if there's a 5% chance that he turns it around, you almost have to bet on that if you're the Knicks because you're really going nowhere otherwise. They committed to Josh Hart. They paid him a ton of money. They paid Dante DiVincenzo quite a bit of money. Can you potentially get off those contracts? Yeah. But this isn't a team that has a lot of leeway to pivot into a soft rebuild because they have a bunch of young guys and Emmanuel Quickly and Quinn Grimes that they need to pay or they need to turn to assets. They have, if tonight showed anything, a star and probably a top 20 to 25 player in this league in Jalen Brunson. They need to do right by him. They really cannot afford to move off Julius Randle. And that's the scary thing because Randle right now is – almost giving them no choice. Like, I don't know, like, at, at what point does this just become who is going to be this season? And no, I, I don't mean that it's going to keep shooting 27%, but if he's shooting 40% and 30% from three, like he did two years ago, that is not going to help the Knicks win a whole lot of games, even as good as their defense is. And their defense, despite the Bucks shooting ridiculously well from three-point range, 20 to 39, 51% on 39 attempts, they still only scored 110 points because the Knicks – at least in the early going of the year, look like they have one of the better defenses in basketball. Um, I don't think it's as good right now. It's, I think it's first or second in defensive rating, probably going to be more like 11th or 12th, but it looks pretty amazing right now. Um, the point is they have a team that's built to be pretty good in the moment. And I, I'm sorry. Like I, I don't think that trading Julius Randall will ultimately make them better. And, and look, it comes down to who they could get. And, and we can, we could do a whole episode going over that but I, I don't really see the name out there that's feasible with the way he's playing right now at his age and um, his contract. And even, even if he sucks, like what he's probably going to ask for in the next contract 
um, that things change very quickly. Um, maybe, yeah. All right. We are going to step aside for a sec. Um, we'll I'll have maybe two or three more thoughts on Julius. We'll get into some Brunson stuff. We'll answer some questions next on Locked on Knicks. Uh, but before we do that, I want to tell you about our buddies over at Prize Picks. So what is Prize Picks? Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. We're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros, sharks, you pick more or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And with the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combination of three pointers made plus receptions. That actually sounds like a pretty good bet to me. Um, especially if Taylor Swift is there. I uh, want to play along some of Prize Picks' favorite players that don't include Taylor Swift, but do include rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. You can now find community plays under the Promos tab and app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each and every week. Um, but from my experience on Prize Picks, here's my single favorite thing. So I have been burned in the past on daily fantasy sites because I love to uh, take on projections in the realm of college football. It, outside of the NBA, it is easily my favorite sport to watch. The issue is that football players get hurt a lot. So I can spend a lot of time thinking about it, looking at the matchup data, um, looking into who's playing well across the country. I feel really, really good that someone like Xavier Worthy is going to have more than four and a half receptions a game. Or let's, let, let's switch up. Let's say Quinn Ewers is going to throw for over 250 yards. And then uh, he could get hurt and get knocked out of a game. And you're screwed on every other site that isn't prize picks because prize picks offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform that offers an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, with that, we are back on Locked on Knicks. Just one or two more things on Julius Randle, but it's going through my notes. And I, I wanted to I wanted to say this. Um, there was one play where he had Damian Lillard on him, and he didn't attack it. He literally waited for Giannis to come over, um, missed Josh Hart cutting, and it ended up it ended up being a dead possession from that point. And to me, that's some, that told me everything I needed to know. That it, this is not, um, as it's usually not, a physical issue with Julius Randle. It is a mental issue. He is so far in his head, probably up his own butt a little bit, um, that he has no means of recovering right now. And I don't know if that means meeting with the sports psychologist. Um, I would hope, based on what we see, maybe I, I look. You don't. You never know what's going on with a guy off the court. And and we said this over and over and over again um, two years ago with Julius Randle, where, where these outbursts just seemed entirely disproportionate to what was happening. And he seemed when he wasn't playing well, like incapable of feeling good about his teammate's success. And, and this is from a guy who most of the time when I hear him talk, like I honestly think he's really likable. Like I, I 85 to 90% of the time I hear from him, I'm like, this seems like just a great dude. Um, but for whatever reason, like he, just gets really, really in his own head. And it is destroying the Knicks season right now. And he has zero confidence. And I, I might even give him a game or two off if I was tempted to say, go, like, work on your shot, get your game right, spend some time with your family. And 
and come back in, in a better place. And, and maybe that would only serve to highlight things further, but honestly, that's what I would do right now because nothing else seems to really be an option. All right. Uh, Jalen Brunson, 45, five and four. And that was despite not really shooting well from three point range Went 15 for 22 from two, it felt um, like we've got brought back in time to the last three games of the Miami heat series. And what I loved about it was outside of that three pointer is Brunson showing off his entire game. He took advantage of Josh Hart, really pushing the pace early to get a couple of transition layups. He was very savvy um, himself about pushing the pace as a guy who typically likes to play a little bit slower. We saw in the preseason, a real emphasis from the Knicks on running a bit more. It hasn't come to fruition totally in the regular season. This game, I thought Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks a um, couple days off since that last Cavs game um, really made a push for them to push. And, and there was a play where Marjon Beauchamp just fell to the ground for Milwaukee and, and Jalen just took the ball, raced it right up the court and, and got the Knicks um, a really easy bucket that, um, that he wouldn't have had this matchup. Otherwise he would have Beauchamp on him. And instead it was on Pat Connaughton to try to defend him. And Jalen just ended up slipping right by him for an and one. Um, I thought his passing was was better in this game, even though he only finished with four assists, like had a couple of really nice hockey assists. Like you could totally see his gravity on one play where he got into the lane, swung it to Hart. The Bucks were late to rotate out on it because so many different guys converged on Brunson and Hart just rotated to Emmanuel quickly. And again, that's not a play that Brunson will get box score credit for, but it was all about him. Um, and then he was just ruthless attacking Damian Lillard in the same way the Knicks were ruthless when they played the Hawks and Trey Young. And, and, and it was something that, when Milwaukee was such a terrible matchup for the Knicks in past years, it was because Drew Holiday was one of the better Jalen Brunson defenders in the league. And now with Dame, there's such an obvious target point for, for the Knicks to just press on over and over and over again. And sure, Dame got him back a little bit on the other end, even though he's mostly going at Quentin Grimes, finished his game with 30 points. He was really, really good. He was the Bucks' best offensive player. But if Brunson's going to outduel Dame by 15 points, that all of a sudden becomes a game that you – absolutely can't afford to lose. And it came down to all the extra attention the Knicks were paying to Dame and paying to Giannis and the Bucks being able to take advantage of that and hit some threes. But I mean, that, that the three-pointer Brunson hit late, him talking to the crowd. If, if there's consolation for the Knicks and Knicks fans coming out of tonight's game, it is the fact that uh, Jalen Brunson, I, I think we are probably going to get closer to his normal self from this point forward going on in the season. Um, the only fear there is that they're going to put too much mileage on him without Julius Randle. I mean, he had to take 30 shots tonight. He got to the free throw line for 11 free throws, 42 minutes played. I, I don't think that is sustainable throughout a season for Jalen Brunson. He is just not uh, a big enough player to do that every single game. And frankly, outside of Luka Doncic, who is, is superhuman and, and not that Jalen does, but plays no defense. Um, there aren't really a lot of guys on planet Earth who can take that load night after night after night and continue to survive and continue to play that way. All right, uh, let's get to a couple of questions, and then we will have um, some general recaps. Um, trade IQ for Pascal Siakam, a true number two. Um, so Julius Randle and Emmanuel quickly for Pascal Siakam. Would the Indian or Indian Pacers, Jesus, I'm tired. Would the Toronto Raptors take that? Uh, maybe I would. I don't know. That's That's an interesting deal. I just, I don't really think the Knicks can afford to have less perimeter scoring at this point and do a two for one because they're already really lacking for offense. And I know that uh, Julius Randle is as of now not helping things, but 
I, I think you'd have a scenario where the Knicks were really down offense. But honestly, I if, if Julius keeps going this direction, I I hate that uh, not as much as I thought I would have. Um, Julius, quick picks and Mitchell Robinson for Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. Uh, maybe this offseason, if if the Sixers lose in the first round for now, um, if I'm Joel Embiid, I'm looking at the Knicks and I'm looking at Philadelphia and all of a sudden the Sixers might be in a better situation, especially with some room to improve and a whole lot of cap space next offseason. And Tyrese Maxey uh, looks like he's going to be a Jalen Brunson type of talent at the guard spot. And if that is the case, um, I would expect Embiid to stick where he already is and stick with the younger guy. Julius needs to go. Yep. Don't disagree with that. All right. Uh, we are going to come back and I want to get into um, some quick hitters on Emmanuel quickly and how well he played Tom Thibodeau's decision to sub him out late. Dante DiVincenzo really struggling at the rim. Mitch continued to be incredible on the glass and a little bit more. Uh, but before I do that, I wanted to tell you about our buddies over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. But first, if you want to kick off the NBA season, Something that I'm looking at on FanDuel is the latest NBA title odds. So the Knicks are plus 4,600. If you want to bet low, um, they're a good team to go in on. But I like I like two uh, slightly lower teams. In fact, the next two teams behind them, the New Orleans Pelicans, plus 4,700. The Minnesota Timberwolves all the way down at plus 6,500. Uh, watching that Pelicans team, they're big, they're super athletic, and they have a guy in Zion Williamson that in any given game can be the best guy on the floor. Can he be the best guy for – uh, four games out of seven of playoff series. We need to play, see him uh, play more than a couple multiples of four games in a regular season. First, the Timberwolves uh, kill the Nuggets. They don't really do that well against anyone else, but um, they are interesting. They're big, they're physical, their defense looks really good this year. So they're kind of interesting. Um, but remember to check out all the action at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and uh, kick off both the NFL and NBA season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Alrighty, uh, let's get into it one last time on Locked On Knicks. Couple of quick hitters to take you guys home. Um, Tom Thibodeau subbed out Emmanuel quickly with about four and a half minutes left in this game, despite the fact that he really started to cook um, at the start of the fourth quarter. Hit a big three, had an and one floater, um, baseline fadeaway jumper, and Jalen Brunson just needed a running mate. He needed a second banana, and because Emmanuel quickly was off the floor, it opened it up for Julius Randle. To take that spot, Randall hit uh, two big shots inside the final four minutes and then totally tanked the Knicks' hopes um, with a putrid uh, final possession where he missed a shot. The Knicks got a second chance, tried to do essentially the same thing, bullied his way inside, and Brooke Lopez uh, sent his shot uh, to never, ever, ever land. I think, is that is that where Peter Pan goes? I'm, I'm not quite sure. But he sent it to Narnia. Um, Emmanuel quickly needs to be out there to close games if he's having anything close to a decent game. He's earned that right. He is... Um, I, I was about to say the next third best player. He is for the moment, um, the Knicks second best player by default. And he's a defensive genius and Tom Thibodeau, uh, fetishizes size, um, a size King, as we call him on the show. And he, um, does so at the expense of spacing and shooting and creation. And we saw it in the Miami heat series, um, that that does not work and you need to have, 
um, guys who can theoretically give Julius Randle a little room to operate, who can give Jalen Brunson a breather from being harassed by four different guys who are a half a foot to a foot taller than him. And um, just another guy who can run a pick and roll and who can create an open shot either for himself or other players. Uh, so that was, that was frustrating and just, just a bad decision. And I think the painful part is that it just shows that Tom Thibodeau has not learned the lessons you, you would have hoped that he learned. He should have learned at this point as a Knicks coach. Um, I overall though, I, I liked a lot of stuff from both quickly and Josh Hart. I thought Josh Hart uh, brought some really good pace to the starting lineup. And, and, and after they got down 11 to two early, he helped key a 15 to three run for the Knicks to get back into the game. He brought some really nice connective passing in the half court quickly was also a big part of that when he stepped into the game for the first time, Dante DiVincenzo, um, at least, um, at least in um, the first few games of the season in this game, did you really struggle at the rim was just one for eight in this one. Um, probably his worst performance as a New York Nick so far. Um, I was frustrated with him later in this game where he kept trying to go to the rim and, and just seemingly kept making the wrong decision there. Like had a play where he was driving on Dame and he might've seen Brooke Lopez lurking, but at that point he had, he still definitely had time to finish and get off like a high arcing banker over Dame, but because he missed so many bunnies, including at one point, literally an open two footer that he turned into a floater for whatever reason. Um, he passed it to Emmanuel quickly, who just got absolutely annihilated by Brooke Lopez um, and Emmanuel quickly at that point, at no point had no option, but to shoot it. So that sucked. Um, and then, um, tried to dunk it on Brooke Lopez, which just, I know he was a great dunker in college, but that was never, ever going to go well for Dante DiVincenzo. And he just, he's not been great at the rim his whole career. And I, I think, um, those issues are really exacerbated on the Knicks because uh, on Golden State, you had a real margin for error because you were, there were just going to be two or three cuts a game playing off of Steph Curry, where you got wide, wide open layups or dunks. Um, in this Knicks offense, like e even the open ones, there are going to be hands and bodies in your vicinity. And you have to be able to finish through that and around that and, and just psychologically um, be able to ignore it. And he has not been able to do that so far. Really great game for Quentin Grimes. Uh, got back on track after a couple of stinkers. Six for 11 from the field. Five for 10 for three. 17 points. Um, a team high. This is an embarrassing number, but a team high. Plus three in 34 minutes on the court. Um, it, it was really cool to have JJ Redick on the broadcast because he had a, he had a play early where he pumped Dame out of his shoes, one dribble sidestep three. And, and he clearly has such a good rhythm on those. And JJ was just kind of like, I right, not to toot my own horn, but I sort of taught him that. And he did, he did teach him that. Um, so that was, that was spectacular to see from Quinn Grimes. Um, and I, I hope he has more opportunities where he is emboldened to, Create his own offense, even if it's in really, really small doses. Fred Katz points out on Twitter, but last year, like if he got that blow by, he would have drove to the rim and then sometimes had a really nice finish at the basket, but a lot of times would have tried to force an interior pass. Now he's realizing who he is as a three-point shooter, which for my money is one of the 10 to 12 to 15 best shooters on planet Earth from distance and that he should be aggressively hunting three-pointers. He should not be passively taking three-pointers that he gets out of kickouts. He should be using his dribble. He should be using his pump fake to find space to shoot over guys and hit threes. And today, a lot of times when Damian Lillard was the guy tagged with guarding him, like he should be getting up threes all day on someone like Dame. He took 10 of them in this game. I wouldn't have minded if he took 15 in this game. That is the single most outside of Jalen Brunson, like doing anything when he's really cooking. It is the single most efficient shot in the Knicks offense. They absolutely need more of it. 
And, and this was another credit to Josh Hart. He was actively seeking out Quentin Grimes. And that was really encouraging the thing. Finally, shout out to Mitchell Robinson. 15 rebounds, six of them on the offensive end. Continues to just be an absolute monster there. All right, two final questions before we go. Uh, Julian Alexander said, uh, LMAO, send it to Asgard. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Julian. Pause. Oh, I know what that was referring to. Yeah, that's fair. I had a few of those if, if you want to listen back. But anyways, uh, that is it for this edition of Locked on Knicks. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Um, I hope I hope Julius Randle starts making some shots. I hope this is who Jalen Brunson continues to be. I hope Quentin Grimes shoots double-digit threes every single game for the rest of the season. And I hope Emmanuel quickly starts closing games. And I hope all of you guys tuning in have a great weekend. Um, but until Monday, uh, we'll talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks.